This podcast is for general informational purposes only and represents the individual opinions of Dr. Dimitri Bick, Dr. Stefan de Graff, Dr. Suzanne Mignon, and the guests. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or other professional healthcare services and should not be taken as medical advice or an establishment of standard of care. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Please don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe, but more importantly leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Reviews not only help us grow listeners, but also help us grow as a show, improve our content, and make us better. gonna talk about the Goldwater rule we're gonna do the healthcare the healthcare horror stat of the day but first if we don't talk about what happened to the Miami Hurricanes or (sighs) not what happened to them but what they did to themselves yesterday yeah yes I think that we're failing as a sports show without a doubt talking about talking about self-inflicted injuries Listen, that's that. They broke. They broke the win probability meter. Did you see what it looked like? Yeah, they were favored. They were the favorites. It was over twelve points that they were favored to win over Georgia Tech. They were lined up just in the right spot to win. They were in great position. There was what six minutes and twenty five seconds left, something like that. I'm I'm talking. They had possession. They ran oh, down. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. Did you? Did you guys actually watch the end of this game? Because I watched yes. it live. I watched the end. Yes, of it. I did. I, I, I got the ball. I, I went back and watched it. You were there. I, I no, no, no. I was in. My, I was in my bed. And yeah. I should have been on my bed because otherwise I would have like passed out and ended up with a head injury from watching it. <laughs> so I'm glad I was lying down. They they got the. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. They got the ball with five and a half yeah. minutes left, and they literally ran it down the field. First down after first down after first down after first. Use down. the clock. And they, yes. And they had exactly, they, and they had a do. they had a first and ten with a minute and fifty seven seconds left. Mm-hmm. So let's do some math, right? The play clock is forty seconds. You get three plays. You get four. That's it. When you That's it. Just using three time clock. times using forty is one hundred and twenty seconds. One minute and fifty seven seconds is seventeen seconds. Yes. Right? Yeah. You take a knee and you, you end the game. Knee. You take a yeah. knee. And they <laughs> did not and, take a knee. And somehow that wasn't smart enough because their idiot of a coach, and I'm I'm off his bandwagon. I was okay with him. I wasn't super He's happy a- when they hired him because I thought there were better options. But you know what? I'm not in the inner circle. People know more than I do. He's supposed to be a fantastic recruiter. I was going to give him a That's chance. That's what it got him after recruiting. I'm like, you know what? Go in, go get your guys, go do your system, and go get it done. But I don't have a lot of tolerance for bull. There was a and lot of hype this season going in. Yeah. A yeah. lot of hype. And last we night, did you, did you guys actually hear? Did you actually heard his, his press conferences? The question yeah, I asked I did. him. 
They ask yeah. him about the and then and then he suddenly that's the way I heard it. As a coach, he suddenly or maybe inadvertently blamed the quarterback. He blamed yeah. Van Dyke. He, he kind of said, yeah. I should have told them. Yeah. No, he said, I should have told Van Dyke to take a knee. So if you're saying that you should have oh, told yeah, them yeah. to take a knee, you indirectly then you didn't blaming do what him you for needed to knee. do as a coach. No, no, no. He, He's right, blaming no, no. the player but for not yeah. knowing to take that a knee. Factually, as a coach, right, 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 exactly. Factually, as a coach, he should have done it, but and directly is saying my 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 quarterback Van Dyke did not know what to do, so I should have told them what to do. Yeah, and and he went a step right. further and he said, "We talk about two hands on the ball," and that's indicting the running back for fumbling. Right, he right, didn't right, fumble because right. he was down, and the refs yeah. messed up that call. But I, you I don't know think what? it was fumble. It, it wasn't a fumble. It, it didn't look it like wasn't a fumble. fumble. His elbow no, no, was no. down and the he ball was, was in his hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. but you know what? I'm okay with the refs messing that up <laughs> as a, as just as a, if you're going to do this, then you should suffer the consequences of this nonsense. You should, you should like, lose. Yeah. You should lose just for that. And then, and then Georgia Tech had 75 yards of total passing yards the entire game. Mm-hmm. And they went 74 yards on three points. <laughs> and they won the game on the Hail Mary. They won it. It wasn't even a Hail Mary. The guy was running out and he like chucked it. I, I watched I watched about half of the game because I was out, so I watched half of it, and I watched this quarterback, and I didn't think for a second he could make that throw. He's been he was awful the whole game, I mean, he, he and he's running out. And on the last play, he turns into Steve Young, right-handed Steve Young. Like what the hell, man? Yeah, like he flung it, it, that. It, like he's he was running perfect. to his right. Yeah, he's running yeah, to his right and threw it. You know, straight yeah. straight forward. Yeah. So. I'm going to take this opportunity to create a new, first of all, I wanted to update. We did a top five list, like one of our first episodes, the uh, top yeah. five worst losses in Miami history. In Miami sports history. Adding you were not around for this, <laughs> Suzanne. I was not around gonna for slip this, in. but I'm going to include this. <laughs> I, as I took, this was going to slip in. <laughs> I, took, I took a look at it today. And so I had the, the three that didn't make the cut, the DMCs was the lightning buzzer beater goal against the Panthers last year or the year before uh, the hail Flutie in the, in 85 against the hurricanes. The hurricanes have three on this list before this one, by the way, the hail Flutie, the jets uh, miracle comeback against the dolphins when they were in New York with the, when um, the, the lineman caught the ball in the end zone. Mm-hmm. You remember that Suzanne, I'm positive. I don't know. The Allen Houston. <laughs> the number number five was Allen Houston's shot. Number four was the '94 Dolphins Chargers playoff game where Pete Stanovich missed the game winning field goal. Um, number three was the Boston game six this past year, which is the reason we did this list in the first place. Number two was the UM Notre Dame game in 1988 where they went in and they lost on a two point conversion. And the number one is the University of Miami Fiasco Bowl against Ohio State with the dumb pass interference call, the phantom pass interference. So three Miami games already on this list. And I looked at it and I'm like, where can I throw this game in? And I realized that I can't because all five of the ones that are actually in the five had stakes and stakes matter. You know, Allen Houston was a playoff game. The Dolphins Chargers was a playoff game. Boston was a huge playoff game. The Fiasco Bowl was the national championship game. The only one that isn't a playoff game, but it's basically a playoff game was the 88 Notre Dame UM game. It's a de facto playoff game because at, at those times where they actually didn't have a playoff, when you're undefeated, 
you know, in the middle of the season, the the loser is pretty much out of the national championship. So well, hear it's a me out. It's a playoff game. Dimitri, go for we, it. You want to put it in there? You let me know. Can we call this? Can we just create like a list B of the worst where there's no stakes at hand? Well, I'd have to well, consider that. I, I, I have to come up with that. List I mean, this was week. just bad. It was just bad. It, and it was. It, it, it was. No, I I agree. It has some implications, but it's not. To, it's not a playoff game or anything like that. It's a regular season game against the bad opponent. But the way they lost made me come up with the other list, which is the top five biggest coaching blunders in the history of sports. Oh, that was one with Pete Carroll for sure. That's going to be so, in there with Russell Reason. And, and, and So here is my top five worst coaching blunders in the history of sports. And there's one qualification in here. There's one exception where it's not a coach, but I'll get to it. So number five, and interestingly, two of them are Miami-based. Number five, uh, Greg Popovich takes out Tim Duncan against the Miami Heat in the in the playoffs to 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 help Chris Bosh get a rebound, which goes back to Ray Allen, which hits the three. Well, that was great. That was good for us. Uh, number four. So this is the exception. It's J.R. Smith forgetting the score <laughs> in game one against the Warriors. That's a classic. Missed the second free throw. You remember that George George uh, George Hill was on the free throw line, tied at 107, 4.7 seconds left. He missed the free throw. J.R. Smith had the ball like he could have just laid it in. And he, he ran out. back to the three-point line and LeBron turned into a meme. He was like this. I was like, ball. That was a classic. Number three, Marshard Lynch not getting the ball at the two yard line. Oh, yes. Oh. Oh, you're putting it on Pete Carroll or you're putting it on Russell Wilson? Oh, it's a coaching blunder. It's, it's absolutely a total coaching blunder. blunder. It's a coaching blunder. It's a coaching yeah. blunder. They, I, and I rewatched it today to make this list. 56 seconds left. The play you before. You run that, the damn ball. You run the ball. They, they gave it to Marshawn Lynch from the five and he bowled his way to the two. He was crushing them the whole game. He was crushing, yeah. And he got down. He went down with 56 seconds left at the two-yard line. And they just, they were like calling plays. calling. They had plenty of time. Second and goal and from pass. the two with 56 seconds left. And they throw. You give him, you give him the ball. Like, it's, it's awful. It's, the best it's, running back in the league. Yes, everybody knew. Yes. Everybody yes. knew Marshall Lynch was going to get the ball. Everybody, the entire that's world knew he was going to get the ball. You, and he I wasn't mean, maybe he jumping up and down because we knew that the Seahawks were going to defeat right. the Patriots that game. I, I mean, like yes. everybody hates the Patriots. Right, I was, right. I was we all expected through. him to get the ball. That's and, right. mm-hmm. Number, yeah, yeah. Number two is Mario Cristobal last night. Yeah, math, bro, math. <laughs> one twenty is greater than one seventeen. Math, and 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 I found out today that this season they have four wins. This was their first loss in their free be- previous four wins. They've um, never never kneeled at the end of the game. They've always yeah. He doesn't he doesn't kneel. He doesn't kneel. He doesn't kneel. But the, the, there's a tweet I saw. I forgot where I saw it, but he's got he's known for that. He doesn't kneel. Yeah, That's and he thing. did this again with Oregon with Oregon against Stanford. Yes. Where he ran. Yeah, yeah. The guy fumbled. But in that situation, it was second and two. They had a timeout. There was still almost two minutes left. Like, I can at least understand that. This has no explanation. Your uh, 
No. Someone wants to chime in on Marshawn Lynch here. You want me to bring him on? To the number one? Bring him on. You want me to bring him in? Go for it. We've we got an impromptu, impromptu guest. Let me get him. There you go. Have, impromptu guest. We're going to pause here for our impromptu guest. So I watched a video on, on TikTok, a snippet from a YouTube of Carol saying Come what down. they were going to do in Russell Wilson. Face. And they said that they were going to throw the ball once on that drive, but they didn't know when. That was Russ's decision to call it. Yeah, I've heard that conspiracy theory too. And you know what I'm calling on that? Calling BS on that. The coach is in charge. <laughs> if the coach says run the ball, you run the ball. You run the which ball. Is why the, which is why the Hurricanes the did what they did yesterday because the coach told them to do it. Well, that was a, that was a really bad play. Yeah. So if the, if the coach tells you to do something, you do it. Doesn't yeah. matter. I, I've heard that conspiracy though. That's not uh, unusual. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Michael. Michael to okay. the podcast. Hello. Hi, Michael. Thank you for <laughs> joining us. Our surprise guest today. Welcome. That's right. <laughs> Thanks Hello. for joining. Okay. Us. All right. All right. All right. See ya. And the number one, the number one biggest coaching blunder in the history of sports, and this is identical to what happened last night. The Giants had the ball up seventeen twelve with about a minute or and a half or so in the game, maybe about a minute. And they ran the ball on the first play. They gained 11 yards. They had the ball with under 30 seconds left. And the play clock at that time, this is 1978. The play clock at that time is 30 seconds. And what do they do? They tried to hand off again. The ball was fumbled on the handoff. Who picks up the ball? Herman, we play to win the game. Edwards ran it all the way back to the Eagles. Eagles beat the Giants. It's called the Miracle of the Meadowlands. It's the exact same scenario. Yeah. The exact same scenario. And I'm only putting it at the top because it's a, it's a professional. You got to know better than that. You just got to know better than that. <laughs> well, speaking of the Giants, they lost today to the Dolphins. They lost to the Dolphins. They lost. Today. They lost to yes, our Dolphins. But, but and, and you know how the Dolphins won at the end? They took a knee. They, they, took, a knee. they, they took, took a knee. They took a knee. They took a knee. So thank you very much. Be like Mike. Sometimes I dream that he is me. Got to see that's how I dream to be. Do this healthcare horror stat of the week because we need to shine light on the disaster that is the American healthcare system, and this is the only way that I know how to do it without punching my face. America has the greatest healthcare in the world. Deductibles, drug tears, PAs, and copay. Mm.
but you can get an MRI today for the low price of just 2K. America, yay! The stat, the United States spends most of any country on healthcare, 17.8% of the GDP and nearly twice as much as the average of 38 high-income countries. In 2020, Americans' life expectancy is 77 years and decreasing. Other countries that are similar to, to ours in life expectancy, Slovakia at 77, Turkey at 78.6, Estonia at 78.9, and the Czech Republic at 78.3. The United States also has the highest infant and maternal mater mortality rate of any developed country. Mm. America. Yay. We're, 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 we spend yeah. more than anyone and it's we still don't live long. So what the hell are we spending it on? Which country has the highest life expectancy? Uh, I have so to get the article back and find out. But, but we definitely... Believe we are definitely not spending on prevention. We're probably spending money on... No, know. we're spending on trying to fix everything once right. it happens. Right. Well, that that's the problem, is that we, we... You know, I heard a conspiracy a long time ago that the health industry and the pharmaceutical industry don't care about preventing disease. They only care about treating it because there's more money in treating the disease. It always ends up being like cancer, for instance. Like, they don't... They or have to HIV. cancer. You know, or HIV, but they're not going to give us the cure for cancer yeah. because, you know, it, it's more money to, to make drugs for cancer treatment. Yeah. And I'm always like, you know what? It's conspiracies. Yeah. But there's truth to it. It's not true, but there's truth to it. I agree. I agree. I'm not a conspiracy theorist by any mean, but we have so much money going into wars and going into stuff that doesn't matter. And we, we are so advanced in science, it's hard for me to, to believe that we don't know how to, to eradicate HIV, right? Or to treat HIV differently. Now, we know how to keep people alive on HIV. We don't know how to cure HIV, which to me, I don't know. I, I kind of like, to me, kind of like hard to believe. They know how to treat it. I, I get it. I get what you're saying, Steph. Yeah. You know, they, they have the treatments there, but why isn't there a cure? Or maybe there is, but there's a whole lot of red tape that exists in this country yeah. to be able to get certain things pushed through because a lot right. of people wind up going to other countries to get procedures done, to get medication because it's less red tape. Because it's less expensive too. Right. And it is less go expensive to as well. Eastern Europe to get dental work. Listen, people, yeah, or go to I was, Mexico to get yeah, I was, I was gonna Mexico. say, I, I was in San Diego a, a year ago, and people would walk across the border. There's actually a hotel right across from Tijuana. You can walk the bridge, you know, the, the um, mm -hmm. in between the, those two borders. There's a hotel right there, and the huge billboard was something about um, healthcare, tourism. People would cross the border, get a hotel room right there for the weekend of surgery, so they'll get dental surgery, you know breast implants, whatever kind of surgery they had, they'll go for a weekend and then cross back after the surgery. <laughs> yeah. Literally. And, and, and the, the, the talking point here is that, oh, people from Canada come over here to get MRIs and stuff like that because they can't get an MRI over there. It takes two months to do that. Right. Fantastic. But when they come over here and get an MRI, it costs them $2,000 yeah. to get an MRI, which is the same cost it would cost, you know, one of us to get an MRI if we didn't have insurance. Uh, and, and, 
the insurance some people do have still the the copays are two three hundred dollars Mm -hmm. Or they have to have co-insurance or like with mine, I have to pay up front until I exhaust a certain amount of money, which is crazy. I have to, before I can start paying co-pays, like with my insurance, I have to pay almost $1,500 out of pocket during the year until I can get co-pays to kick in. It's ridiculous. Deductibles. Yeah, deductibles. And some of them are hugely high. So you're paying per month and then you're paying after that. And that's, that's, it's not a flaw in the system. This is the design. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of conspiracy theories, there's one theory that I've heard a long time ago that the pharmaceutical company, they need a continuous flow of money. They they need cancer, they need HIV to be still, a, you know, an ongoing issue because that's where they get funding to make, to do other researches. Like if they, if they were, if they were able to cure cancer or HIV, there would not be enough funding to, I don't know, further science or to do, to make more researches. So the idea is that how can we advance science if we're curing all diseases, right? If, if you're curing HIV and cancer, how do we get funding from, from purchasing pharmaceuticals to advance science? And that's where they're saying, oh, we can't, we can't get rid of diseases because we don't need the money. That's, that is, that's one of the interesting conspiracies. I haven't heard that one, but it's, it's complete, like, if I'm if I own a pharmaceutical company and I can cure all forms because cancer we use it as a, bl- a blanket term but there's and there's multiple different forms right, right. of cancer there's a different for cancer and they're right treated right. differently because they don't always get the same treatment right if but if right, I found right. a cure all for cancer do you imagine how much money that company would make they would break finance with the amount of money they would make on that cure. Because they they would just sell that, and that would be the end of it. And then you take your pharmaceutical winnings and you retire, or you sell the company for another purpose for advancing science. Right. You know, like we found the cure for cancer. What else can we find the cure for? Like, I, it's it's the idea that that is the reason would would strike me as even worse than I already think that these industries. And you- and you know, you know, see the, the the worst part of of that business, the pharmaceutical companies, the that kind of business model. There are some diseases that are so rare, you know, maybe like one in a few millions people ever, and they'll tell you flat out, we don't have any incentive to research that. This is because we're not going to make profit out of that market, out of that manufacturing. So that disease, I'm sorry, has no cure because we're not interested in finding a cure for it. There's no, uh, there's no, it's not a business model because you're never going to get your money back for the investment that you're going you're gonna to make to research for that, for that cure. And that's the issue that healthcare has become a business model. It's a business, right. It's, it's also right. something that's noted in, in psychiatric medications too, that there's certain indications that are profitable and some indications right. aren't. Right, right. And so right. medications that would work for both indications are not approved for both indications. Because they don't have an incentive. Wasn't, one wasn't researched to get the mm-hmm. indication. And, and I get it, it costs right. a lot of money, um, but that's that's not just the fault of the pharmaceutical companies. That's an FDA fault too. Yes, that that they have to have this level of, and and I and I understand it, but once the drug is already, the once the drug is already approved, and you have another drug that's approved for that's similar, that's approved for another indication, the idea that you have to go through that entire. Fate, those entire those yeah 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 just to prove that it works for that particular indication when you, there's another drug 
that's very similar to it, that is the same mechanism of action that's approved for the underindication. Right. Seems to me in a colossal waste of money. Colossal waste of money and a waste of time. But yeah. that's that's where we're at. And I think that's the reason that the companies do what they do, because they have to spend $500 million to get it to the FDA. So, of course, they want seven years of, of patent protection and they want to sell it for $50 a pill. Yeah, no kidding. It takes forever to get something through. Yeah. We could do this for another 20 minutes. But oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we, we could, we could go we on have, and on and on. We have, an, we have an important segment coming up. And, we have a very important segment. And... <laughs> and uh, I think the horror of this is, is sinking in, but this is going to keep going. And don't think that we're doing this just for October. It's, it, it works <laughs> for October, continue. but this is going to continue. This is going to continue ad nauseum. Yeah. It's going to be a year-long thing. Until either something changes or somebody or somebody comes after us. You're going to see somebody in the background. Come with us, sir. It's the men in black. <laughs> Jeff, there's someone behind you. Look out! <laughs> I wanna be, I wanna be like Mike. Pow! Huh? We are finally going to do our Goldwater show. We've been no! teasing this. Da, da, da. We've been teasing this since February when we first started this, when it was just two male psychiatrists yelling when at each boring. other about nonsense. Don't yes. worry, guys. We are not getting sued. People might think we're getting sued. We are not getting no. sued. No, not don't yet. give people ideas, Steph. Don't give people ideas. <laughs> not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Not yet. I thought Chandler Jones for sure was going to say something. I, but I, we're not I, we're not yeah. important enough. I don't think Chandler Jones yeah. cares. Hey, we're not. Somebody somebody once said, "There's no such thing as bad publicity." So that's true. That's true. Uh, but again, we didn't do anything wrong. No, we we're going to discuss why no. I don't think we did anything we wrong. Did I mean, that, that, I was about to sleep Has well at night. Commented I, that we did something wrong. No, no I mean, I slept comment. good. I, if we no, no. I would have slept uncomfortably. No. You know, I slept really sound that night, I so I don't think I did something fine. wrong. It must so, have been and, all the drinks you had, though, Steph, one or the other. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Steph is Steph is living his best life in the Midwest. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Are, are you like near the cornfields and? Sh well, I'm I'm actually very near to wineries. Believe it or not. Oh, I believe it. I don't I think of it. wineries in the Midwest, though. Oh, Southwest Michigan is a bunch of wineries yeah. and breweries. So, based on your Instagram stories, I would believe that you're near wine. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I would believe that's the only thing that's there. In breweries. Do you actually work, Steph? I, uh, yeah, I work. Monday <laughs> to Friday. I, I do have eight to five. <laughs> okay. I We promised to talk about this. So any of you guys want to like, you know, get back on topic or do you guys want to keep talking about wineries? Because either one is fine with me, but I think. I mean, it goes hand in hand, but let, okay. let, why don't we All just right. get this over with? Okay. So. We're going to do this Goldwater. It's the Goldwater rule is, is what it's colloquially known as, but officially it is section 7.3 of the principles, the American Psychiatric Association principles of medical ethics with annotations, especially applicable to psychiatry, which is a real mouthful, which is very on brand for this organization. And 
I don't even want to get started on. And I'll give you the psychologist perspective in a few minutes when you're done with that. Yeah, I'm a member of of the APA, so I'm going to be nice today, but for the most part, uh, Suzanne is 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 would have been a member of the other APA, the American Psychological Association, but she is not. And she maybe she's out. the smartest <laughs> of the three of us. But anyway, anyway, section <laughs> seven have to follow their ethics code, but <laughs> section seven says, "quote A physician shall recognize." A responsibility to participate in activities contributing to the improvement of the community and the betterment of public health. Section 7.3 of that code is what is known as the Goldwater Rule. It reads, quote, on occasion, psychiatrists are asked for an opinion about an individual who is in the light of public attention or who is disclosed or who has disclosed information about himself, herself through public media. In such circumstances, a psychiatrist may share with the public his or her expertise about psychiatric issues in general. However, it is unethical for a psychiatrist to offer a professional opinion unless he or she has conducted an examination and has been granted proper authorization for such a statement, unquote. Now, the reason that we're even doing this is because we are a mental health podcast that talks about current events, news, and sports. And there's a lot of mental health issues in all of those things. And they're all usually, or not usually, but sometimes about public figures. So we find ourselves in a place where we are bumping up against this section of the ethical guidelines. And what I think is happening here is that we're rubbing against it. We may even irritate it a little bit, but I don't think we cross it Mm-mm. when we're doing this show. But no. what I wanted to bring up first before we open for debate is the reasons that I have read in preparing for this that people think that this section of the ethics code should be continued and upheld and continually renewed because there is significant debate within our APA, the psychiatric APA, about whether or not this- Which is different than my APA. Right. And I'm going to, you know what? Why don't you tell us what your version of that rule is? So it's fairly similar. Um, What we have is basically it's, and we take precautions that any statements that we make- about public figures or anything going on in the media is based on, like you guys, our professional knowledge, our training or experience as it relates to psychological literature and the common and the standard of practice in psychology. Um, And we also have to be very clear that we do not have a um, professional relationship with that particular individual that we're discussing. So it's it's fairly the same. We can we can talk about things and talk about things that are consistent with certain disorders, but we can't diagnose the person with the disorder. We don't evaluate them. We don't have that type of knowledge about the person. But we can yeah. talk about behaviors. But I, I think, you know, allow me to to peel back a little bit. We know what Goloda is, but the name actually makes a lot of sense because if we make a little of a history. Goldwater is the name of a former presidential candidate. So nowadays, people think about, I'm going to say the name, Donald Trump, that people, you know, during his campaign, people talk about him ad nauseum, about his fitness, about his psychological fitness, people name, labeled him narcissistic, whatnot. But Goldwater was the former, the first president nominee or candidate, I think it was 1964. And um, during the campaign, I think there was, I forgot the exact issue, but there was a magazine, a psychological magazine that published 
an article where there was a debate. Some psychiatrists were talking about his fitness. You know, there was another camp being pro or cons. And then that stirred a debate in the country, at least in the psychiatric and psychological world, talking about how ethical or unethical it was to discuss somebody's fitness, mental fitness, without having seen them as a as a as a patient. And then further down the road, they voted on, I think the APA or both APAs voted on what ethical conducts or codes and named it after Goldwater. I think he was a senator. Um, his name was uh, Barry Goldwater, right? Mm-hmm. Fast forward to now, it could, we could have named we could have named it Donald Trump. Well, you know, exactly the Trump. same. And, and he would have loved that too. Would have loved that. Yeah, <laughs> he would have put his name on it, like he put his name on everything. He, even on his he would have offered his name for it, <laughs> right? And would have taken money for it too, right? Trademark his name, but that was the history. So now that we have the context, why it is named the Goldwater Rule? You know, going back, that's why because people have talked about public figures. Yeah. in a scientific world and was not well just just to expand on that it was fact magazine 1964 fact, they, they, they sent out a survey to 12,000 psychiatrists about 1200 responded and they cherry picked quotes from those 1200 responses to to, to public mm-hmm. the rule or the it's I, i'm going to stop calling it a rule the, the ethical ethical code the, the ethical code was written into APA in 1973, so nine years. Nine years later, okay, okay, and the reason is because they were trying to prevent further embarrassment to the profession because they thought that it was an embarrassing kind of a black eye moment. Barry Goldwater actually sued Fact Magazine for damages, claiming that not only did it hurt his presidential campaign, but after. He couldn't walk down the street without people kind of looking at him weird, thinking that he was a narcissist or whatever it was that they published about him that made it seem like he had certain diagnoses. Or they, I think even some psychiatrists said he was forwardly psychotic. So people were wondering whether or not he was psychotic on the street. So there was not just the political damages, but personal damages. I mean, it's, sure, and, sure. And so they, they created this guideline in, in the... Uh, in, in the APA rules for that reason. And it's been reiterated and continued on since then. And so I read an article by Paul Applebaum, who I highly respect. He is a former president of the American Academy of Psychiatry and Law. I'll let you You're calling time out. I'm, I'm calling so. time, calling time out. I will, I, will let you out. Go, I will let you go into the article, but before you go, you go into the article, I want to ask you a question or, or you two a question. <laughs> go for it. In retrospect, if Fact Magazine had interviewed how many thousand, I don't know, for the sake of the argument, how many thousand doctors, uh, not doctors, sorry, um, I don't know, engineers about their opinion about good water, very good water, do you think would have been an issue? Do you think the issue arose because they were psychiatrists? Of course. Right? Because sure. Exactly. Because because. We're exactly. That's because we have different specialized knowledge as psychologists and psychiatrists. That, we have specialized knowledge and training in areas that deal with human behavior and human thinking and fitness was in question. And we make those types of opinions. So the problem is not so that we are talking about people. The problem is that we are psychiatrists, psychologists talking about people. Because everybody talks about everybody in the news. Like you've got people talking about Donald Trump that at that time, very okay. good water. Okay. You know? I get your point, Steph, uh, okay. but right. we are so- in a 
different category as, for example, engineers to talk about human behavior, human thinking. So and they're, they're allowed and we're not. Okay. Okay. All right. Look, you're, you're actually they're allowed hitting, and on something. You're okay. hitting on something that I wanted to go into in the article and I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to go deep into it. What I want to do is uh, I want to, I want to point out the the article that he wrote about this is a, is basically to give pro Goldwater arguments is to, okay. is to show why it's net. It's more necessary than, than it's previously been shown. And he makes it clear in the article that he thinks it's good, but it needs to be tweaked. But one of the reasons that he, argues is one of the arguments against the rule, by the way, is the one you brought up, which is if we don't do it, someone else is going to do it. That doesn't have as much knowledge. But his rebuttal is essentially that if we do it, we carry, we carry an authority. And if we do it without proper evaluation, in other words, if we're just picking in, in, if we're just picking sort of random facts out of what we see on TV or what we hear from a speech, we're not actually using psychiatric principles of evaluation because we're not actually doing an evaluation. We're just cherry picking essentially. All right. So one of the reasons, one of the pro reasons is to prevent embarrassment. The second reason he cites is that it may cause psychic injury to the individual. So if you label that person, they may just like Barry Goldwater claimed in his suit, they may claim some sort of injury of being labeled by something that they may not actually have. And then being seen as that for the rest of their life. Another one is that what I just pointed out is that if if the public seems to think that we're taking, we're cherry picking, they may think we're an unscientific discipline and they may think we're not based on science. And the last reason, and I think this is this is not wrong, but it's sort of like the bottom of the barrel kind of thing, is that they may think the psychiatrist is just there to kind of get the spotlight. And in oh, yeah. and and in the in the in in today's world where the currency of the day is attention. Yeah, I don't see that that's an incorrect argument. I mean, what are we doing here yeah. other than trying to get attention for our own voices? But here's my rebuttal. I, I know that. <laughs> and you're not the first person to point that out. Thank you for But my, my rebuttal to all of those things is exactly what you said. If we don't do it, someone else is going to do it with less knowledge. But what we should do is we should do it the way Responsibly. we Responsibly do it in in an evaluation so i'm gonna let you guys talk about it but i've got i've got nice rebuttals i think yeah. to these things but i'm gonna i could talk for 10 minutes about this i'm gonna let you guys talk for i agree with the with the wholesome issue that we have to respect the person um dignity and we do have to evaluate somebody before we peg him with a diagnosis i agree with that without getting into details but i'm gonna take issue with the first argument the first i believe the first argument was that um, we cannot diagnose somebody that we have not evaluated, or not even diagnose. Make make assumption or comment on somebody that we have not evaluated. And I'm going to ask you two guys: How many times you've had or you've been asked to evaluate somebody that you could not evaluate because of their mental state? That you, you could you, you actually had, had to document patient is unable to cooperate with evaluation, and then you put your you put your DDX your differential but diagnosis. But it's more than that. It's more than that, Steph, because I do that all the time. I have people who are in. Um, 
isolation cells and they're unable to come out and they won't participate in the evaluation, but we're not just saying, okay, they won't participate. Here's their diagnosis. We're using other things to come up with the diagnosis. Observation. We're, we're observing them. We're talking to people. So like, for example, myself, I'll talk to the staff in the jail and I'll talk to the deputies there. I'll read the medical records there. And in using all of that, and then my own observations of that individual, not based on what someone else is telling me, but me looking at that individual and if they're going to engage with me or not, we can come up with diagnostic impressions that way. And I think that's right. perfectly acceptable in both psychiatry and psychology, which is different than not having that limited information that's given to us in the media of an individual. We're only getting what the media wants to show us, which in essence, the media is already cherry picking anyway, the things right. they want to show us. And so I don't think that we can truly diagnose someone in that way. I mean, we could probably be pretty close a lot of the times, but there could be a whole other side to this person that isn't portrayed in the media. And there might be other information that we're not being given. So I, I do agree to the extent that we can't do that. I agree. Two things, though. I, I think it should be two things. First, if psychologists or psychiatrists are pretending to diagnose somebody, that's wrong. I, I think we've, we've at least here, we've tried. Or we've always become, been careful of not diagnosing anybody that we don't know, we've never had a professional relationship with. That's one. Second of all, you two are professional, and I could ask you offline, what, what would be your DDX for, for the sake of the argument, politics aside, what, what would be your diagnostic impression of Donald Trump? And I'm 100% sure that you guys will say the exact same thing and you'll probably be confident in what you're saying without any doubt. Diagnostic impression is good based upon the information that you have at that given time, of course. So if you're asking me for that impression informally, you and I can have a very informal conversation and we can talk about that. But are we going to necessarily publicly state, hey, this is what this person has? I don't think we can do that. No, we, we should We should not. We should not. That's not but and, and 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 to go back on the second point that you made, the press, the media shows things, but also the personality, the person decide what they want to show. That particular personality that I just mentioned, he relishes that. He he, he had his own media company, for God's sake, right? And he, he want that that camera, that spotlight on him. And, you know, who am I to say I should not... It's, who it's am I to say I should him. not take you... I should not take you at your, at your own word. Who am I to say I should not believe what you want me to believe? Right. Sure, but we're not just talking about one individual. We're talking no, no, right. about, about public people in general. I right, mean, right. So we have like um, Jones, who we just talked about. We have all of these a, various a people, Antonio Brown, like all of these people that we've talked about on here. Are we going to sit here and diagnose them? Absolutely. No, not. no, no. Because no, we're they, only getting no. the snippets from what they post. No, we can't. We can't. We can't do that. But it's then it's no different for like your example that you gave with Trump, despite the fact he has his own media company. I don't think it's any different. The argument against your point is that is twofold. Number one, they never give consent for you to even bother with the evaluation, which I'm going to give my own rebuttal to that in a second. But the second point is what they show publicly may not actually be who they are. So if you were sitting in a room with them, with the door closed, where they knew nothing would get out because of confidentiality, would they present a different picture? 
Well, sure, I, that, okay. that, that, that and, I, agree, and, I agree with that. And that's the argument against that. It's, well, you're doing it through these things that you're seeing on TV, but that may not actually be who they really are. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and sure. because you they haven't might be actually yeah. done a doctor-patient relationship evaluation, you can't actually make a firm diagnosis. Now, I'm not arguing for diagnostic, for for making a mm-hmm. firm diagnosis. That's Me neither. Not, Me that neither. is not... Nope. And I don't think any of us are doing that because I think we all agree that you cannot you cannot you cannot make a firm one choice diagnosis on an individual that you have not done more than a thorough evaluation, more than a few hours of work on. You can't do that through video um, that they just present over TV. You mean you can't diagnose based on their TikToks? <laughs> right. Okay. But what I will point out is that we diagnose people all the time without consent, okay? I worked in an emergency department, a psychiatric emergency department, and people were brought in all the time, all the time. from police, from their family members. But that's members, involuntary. Would, that's involuntary examination. But it's without consent. It's also, it's also, it's also with the, it is also HIPAA proof. Like, you know, you can't, you can't go on and say, oh, I diagnosed Dimitri yesterday in a year. He's no, 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 but, but we're not doing that. We're not doing this with public figures. My, my contention here is that the, the argument is we can't do this without consent. And right. we can because we do it all the time. The second contention is, well, we can't do it without, an, without a one-to-one evaluation. Well, we don't get to do that either because if they tell us to get lost, we can't sit there with them because there's a lot of dangers in that. So we have to do it with collateral information, which is information from other sources, and observational evidence. Which is what Steph and I the, were discussing. Which is exactly what you guys are saying. So the idea that this can't be done without consent or without a face-to-face evaluation is not true. Well, it I don't, I don't agree with but, the consent issue. And especially when you talk about, you know, people who are there for involuntary examination. And in Florida, we call that um, they're being um, evaluated under the Baker Act. And in different right. states, they have different terms for that, right. um, that involuntary examination, because they're unable to determine for themselves or unwilling to determine for themselves, Suzanne. but yet they are in need due to the fact they're a danger to themselves or others or just manifestly unable to take care of themselves. I'm not even talking about Baker acting, which is the, which is when they're already under custodial care for that. I'm talking about before that. It's before so they're brought it's into the petition for involuntary examinations. In correct. Areas, and that's but, what brings them in. But you're already saying that they had, that they can't make that decision. I'm talking about when the person is pulled into the emergency department by the police and they sit down in front of you and you first walk in. I haven't filled out any form yet and they're telling me to get lost. I don't want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. I have to determine whether or not I can fill that form out based on the fact that the guy told me to get lost or the person told me to get lost, what I'm observing and what I'm getting from collateral. Okay. So I haven't even filled that form out to say they can't make that decision yet. Okay. And the second thing is it, it, you know, when they say, well, we can't do it from it's TV or something like that, or you can't do it unless they're in front of you. But we do telehealth, mm-hmm. right? And we miss a lot. We miss a lot of body language and telehealth. Oh, yes. Oh, without it. We have no idea. That, that, we have that's no idea a different what's going show. on. Legs fidgeting under the table but, and everything. But my point that's here is that's a different is, show. Yes, yeah. But, it's, but it, my point here is that we can do this through TV. It can be done. The question is should it be done? It's not a question of can it be done? It absolutely can be done. Can we diagnose? these people 
through their videos based on the information that's collected through them? Yes, we can. Should we do it? No. Probably not. No. I think it comes down to as well, you're only getting limited information of what's being presented in those videos. And it could be argued too that you're only getting limited information as to what a person's telling you. You're only getting limited information as to what collateral sources are saying. Sure. But I think that when there's a third party that's perhaps editing, cutting, choosing which clips to show and what's going to be a little bit, it might be a little bit different. Okay, but what if the party sure. is the one choosing those clips? Like Chandler Jones didn't have it, a it goes both ways. Cutting, cutting his clips. It was him it go, cutting it go, the clips. Yes. Antonio Brown it does not have a media company cutting his clips up. Those are his people making those videos. Okay. It, and sometimes him making those videos himself. Mm-hmm. This is a different age, right? This isn't Barry Goldwater age where the TV you know takes a picture of you and puts that on TV as they edit it. In a social media age, the people they go live. Are their own the people are their own TV and media company. So they're giving you what they want you to see. Now, it may not be who they really are all the time, but you can't argue that there isn't some validity to what they're right. What they're and, and, and for example, with Chandler Jones, last episode, although I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat it, we did not diagnose him, but we use clip that is willingly put out live. So there's no editing mm-hmm. that we made or anybody made. He was live. So even with the diagnosis, we discussed things that we observed and we were careful on diagnosing. But I'm going to pivot to a different point. Would you be fair? I'm going to steal the pot a little bit. Would it be fair to say once you, I'm just going to stay in a political realm because that's what we're discussing. Um, I'm going to leave the pop culture out because I believe they, they do deserve their privacy. I, I'm against paparazzi and stuff like that. But in the political world, once you step foot in the arena, whatever position you're seeking for in office, because you're going to be a public servant. As a public servant, there's some privilege that you, you, you know, you you give away. Like if you, you I'm paying you, my taxpayer is paying you. Though you're telling me that you're going to go for office, and it's for me, I see it, it's fair game that we are about. When I mean we, the general public. Side, we are about to make inferences and have opinions on who you present as, as a person. So when you go to a debate and what you're showing, to me, it's fair game because you're going in public service. You want people to see you. You want people to judge you. So when you get judged, you only want to be, you only want to accept what's positive about you, but what's negative, you're going to, you're going to think, you're going to peg it as go water or, or unfair or unethical. But if it's positive, you're going to say, oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I like that. You know, so it, I think it's both ways. Look, I, I can't disagree with that. My 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 whole point with, with this Goldwater issue is I I loathe censorship. And essentially what this is, is it's censorship. And and Paul Applebaum argues that it's not. It's um, it, it's not it's not specific censorship. It's it's saying that you you can say you can talk about mental health, but you just can't talk about that person's mental health in a diagnostic sense. Okay, but it's still censorship because you're censoring an opinion. And my belief strongly is it's not a First Amendment thing because that's what everybody says. It's that the answer to speech if you don't like the, the opinion that the psychiatrist gave, the answer to speech to speech you don't like is not censoring that speech and telling them they shouldn't say that anymore. It's more speech. So if you don't like the opinions of that psychiatrist, it's your obligation to go in there and be like, this is the reason I don't like it. Now, 
when a, when when some a psychiatrist, a psychologist, anybody, an engineer gives an opinion, all their opinions should be based on something. They can't just go out there and be like, "Here's why I think this." Well, that's great, dude. Everyone's got an opinion. They're like, you've heard this saying that they're like, everyone's got one, and they and most of them stink. <laughs> and and because we're, <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'll be here all weekend. Here's your courtesy. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Here we go again. We are the poop podcast. The poop it's podcast. Poop. It, it all again. comes back to asshole. We're the po- okay. It all comes back to poop. Yes, it does. But but God. if you don't, if I'm if, Freud. If, if a psych- if someone, if a psychiatrist, psychologist, anyone gives an opinion, my first question is, well, what are you basing that on? And if they can't base it on anything or they don't and they're just like, well, just what I think because I'm a pro, that's not a reason to have an opinion. No, so but that's part of should... diagnosing anyway. You have to be able to support your diagnosis. But I mean, I can name that. I can name a psychiatrist right now off the top of my head who used to be a pundit for Fox News. There's actually two of them, but yes, like a and he's no longer an APA member right. because I think they threw him out and he would do this exact thing. He would just come on and say, this is what I think this president has. And no one would question why he thinks that they're just like, he's a psychiatrist. Well, because he must know what he he's does. an expert and he's, he's an one expert, of those right. celebrity ones. Right. But, but, but if you're going to do that as a responsible psychiatrist, then you should cite the evidence that you have. Now, if you disagree with that as another psychiatrist, because of whatever political leanings you may have or whatever, the answer is not to go in and be like, he shouldn't say that. It's right. to go on your own show and go, yeah. this is why I think he's wrong. Scientific debate and evidence is is the crux of our society. And we yeah. shouldn't censor that with rules and, and, and things like that because we might be embarrassed. Yeah. I'm not embarrassed. I, I th- right. You know, I, I think one of the mistakes that we we do as as maybe as a nation or as a, as a culture, we are always hung up into opposite, right? Polar opposite. It's, it's left and right. It's you know yes and no. Yeah. We could actually agree in the middle. We could say yes. We could discuss personality behaviors and provide disclaimers that you know we have not sat with a person. We don't know the diagnosis. But we observe this, that, and you know, yes, I think that's that these behaviors that's, are consistent behaviors. with that's it. Right. Exactly I think that's what fair. We do here. I, I think that's, that's responsible. Exactly what we do. I think that's responsible. Right. I think and it's other, educational. Right. And right. I was gonna get and to that. And we're making it relatable. Yes, and I was gonna get to your point, Suzanne, that how do we fight stigma if we're afraid of discussing the of the behavior that we observe in society? Right. And would we observe people that are that are readily readily um, exposed by whether they want to or not, public figures, if you will? How do we educate the the, the masses if we're discussing people they don't even know, never seen before? If they, if we discuss behaviors that they, they can even appreciate or see, how do we how do we fight the stigma, right? How do we educate people without 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 exhibits? I don't know that that's the argument against it. I think they're saying that we can do that. We just shouldn't make diagnoses about people. Right, right, right. And I don't disagree with that. But what I'm saying is that even if they did do that, they shouldn't be censored by the APA and say, you broke a rule. What should happen is somebody else, maybe from the APA, should come on somewhere else and be like, here's why I think that guy's wrong. And that's more speech than answers speech that they think is wrong. It's not going in and going, well, we're kicking him out or he broke a rule and he shouldn't say that. It's why do you think he's wrong? Mm-hmm. Have a debate about it. More speech is the answer to speech you don't like. It's not less speech. Right, right. And that's And if you think they're wrong, you speech. say, yeah, yeah. 
And if you think they're wrong because they did not have did not put a disclaimer, then that's fine. They did not have a disclaimer that they did not evaluate the person they discussed. And I think that's the bare minimum. They should, if you're gonna make an opinion about somebody, you should stipulate that. FYI, I've never evaluated that person. I don't have the 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 you know the permission to discuss that person. This is just what I've observed as part as public knowledge. That's right. it. And so I see this as not a Goldwater rule, but a Goldwater guideline. Like Mike, I could be like Mike. health tip of the daytime. Day full of hiccups? Need a shake-up? Listen up! It's the Psych Effect Podcast Mental Health Tip of the Day! It's brought to you by nobody, of course, as usual, but it's timely. Can we someone? No, not until we get a real sponsor, am I going <laughs> to... But, but I do, I do want to point this out. I do want to send a shout-out to the guy that beat me in my fantasy baseball playoffs in the final. Eric, this is for you. This tip of the this tip of the oh, day is, is for you. That is so cute. I, I so promised cute. him that I would. Oh, I promised that. him that I would give him a shout out. But Eric, this mental health Hi, tip Eric. of the day is for you. And the tip of the day is: be humble. Don't be arrogant, <laughs> like Mario Cristobal was, and continue to run plays when all you really need to do is kneel, kneel before Zod, be like just Mike. like. Mike McDaniel did today to win the game against the Giants. He took a knee. He was humble. He did it against Denver where he could have kicked the field goal and made it 73 points and broken a record and instead didn't. He didn't do that. Yeah. Be humble. Take a knee when it's necessary. You love me greedy. Kneel before Zod if necessary. Oh, but only if you're not Superman. Then you don't go before Zod. That's the tip of the day. That's all for yeah. this week. Yeah. I hope I hope we greed. finally greed kills. No, I was gonna say greed greed yeah, is greed a is gonna a, get is you a, nowhere. Yeah, greed is a human sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys finally enjoyed our uh, our Goldwater our Goldwater show that we've been teasing forever. Thank you all for the continued support and the continued listens, continued downloads. Please don't forget to follow, like, subscribe, and written reviews, please. Those Not are... just text to your friends that are us. Yes, we yeah. get texts all the time, but if you could just put those <laughs> into like the Apple app or the Spotify app, that would be great. Wherever you're listening to it from. Wherever yeah. you're listening. And we'll see you in the next one. If you have any ideas, uh, find us on Twitter or Instagram, at PsychEffectPod. We'll see you next week. Hashtag be like Mike. Everybody wants to be like Mike. Yeah, and you're going to be retired like him too. The previous podcast is for general informational purposes only and represented the individual opinions of Dr. Dimitri Bick, Dr. Stefan de Graff, Dr. Suzanne Mignon, and the guests. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or other professional healthcare services and should not be taken as medical advice or an establishment of standard of care. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.